How was the word of God heard by the people when it was first spoken? The time, the place, the political landscape, the struggles. And how does the word of God apply to this time, this place, this political landscape, our struggles? This is Michael Leasley in Context. Understand God's word and apply it to your life. In Context. Welcome to In Context. We're so glad that you are back with us as we continue on in our discipleship series. We began the series about three weeks ago where we started with a look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And since then, Dad, you've had two great conversations with Dan Spader and Mark Irving discussing both the model that Christ gave us in disciple making and also some really practical steps in how to begin that process. And then today we have another Fellowship Bible Church friend on the show. <laughs> Tell us about Carl Carty. Carl, Carl is a great friend. He's a Dove Award winning songwriter. He's an artist. He's a worship leader. He wrote his first song. He was seven years old. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> And he's had over 150 cuts by countless artists, including Elevation Worship, Big Daddy Weave, Jackie Velasquez, Selah, just to name a few. He's written and recorded 13 albums in the past 18 years. He's also performed with artists like Third Day, Mercy Me, and Stephen Curtis Chapman. But I've gotten to know Carl in the nine years I've been here as the Director of Worship Development here at Fellowship, and he's recently started a residency program to help train other worship leaders for the future. So he's a gifted guy, a busy guy, and he always has a great big smile. He does. <laughs> that is very true of Carl. Well, I think your conversation today with Carl is really fascinating. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's clearly been given gifts and talents from the Lord, and he's using those in his songwriting mm. and worship leading. and um, But he's also using those as an avenue for discipleship. Yeah, I heard someone, I think it was Bob Coughlin many years ago, say that uh, unless you're worshiping as a worship leader, you can't lead others in worship. Mm. And when Carl leads, he always leads from the heart, whether it's a, a, a early service with a very small attendance or the most crowded, uh, eager service. He's got this unique smile that comes from his heart. But the one thing I'd say, Hannah, that strikes me most about him, if you could be a fly in the green room uh, after they've done their rehearsal and they've you know done their opens and closes and transitions and talked about key changes and all the stuff that's foreign language to me, um, he will he will gather his group together and he will minister to them. He will mm -hmm. talk about what you're about to do. You're about to lead God's people in worship. You know, we want you to smile. We want you to look at the audience. We want you not to be you know constrained in your worship, but understand people are watching you. And if you're not really worshiping Christ when you're doing this, you're not helping them. And I've heard him do this a number of times, and I've, I've often told him I wish the whole church could hear how he disciples them wow. just in a, in a rehearsal set. Yeah. And that really is who he is. He and his wife have pursued young couples, young married couples in the worship yeah. world because it can be very difficult on a marriage. Sure. Have an artist and generally the other spouse is a homemaker or working outside to yeah. keep things going. And it creates a lot of conflict being married to a creative and a worship artist. Uh, and so they, they've just, Heather and Carl have got this thing down. Mm. They live it out in their own life and marriage. And they live it out, um, whether it's in the green room or in the couples that they pursue to help them become disciples. 
Yeah, their story is so compelling. And I just really love the steps and the thoughts that Carl has behind his discipleship process with these men and women that he is on one hand training to be worship leaders, Mm -hmm. but on the other really training to be disciples and disciple makers for Christ. Um, I think for myself and for all of our listeners, I mean, most of us aren't songwriters, not worship leaders. We're not going to have this sort of avenue to be discipleship making, but thinking about how has God wired me? What are the talents and gifts he's given me? And maybe that's my avenue for discipleship. You've heard me say this lots of times. It takes God's word, God's spirit, and God's people to change lives. And Carl, to me, is illustrative of a guy who loves God's word, who is evidently uh, submitting to and being controlled by a spirit and has a heart for God's people. Yeah. And so as we've heard about Dan Spader's uh, four chairs, about Mark Irving's traffic patterns in life, you know, God wants to use each of us, even though we may not feel equipped necessarily, uh, we can become equipped, we can learn the skills to make disciples. Well, let's transition to your interview with Carl right now. I say yes, I say yes. Carl Carty, you are a musician by training, by trade, by experience. How long have you been, been leading worship and traveling around? And I started leading worship in my little Pentecostal church when I was about 13 years old. And uh, I've honestly been doing that almost ever, ever since. You know? Did you know like that early, this is what I want to be when I grow up, what I want to do? I really did. I was one of, I think I uh-huh. describe it as being a, for, a fortunate person where I, I, I had a vision from a young age that I, I mean, I wanted to play music, and I, I, I really, even, even, very young, saw myself doing it in church. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. yeah. It's been unique. Well, one of the things unique about working with you this past nine years uh, here at Fellowship has been is watching how you lead and how you work with your musicians and those who play with you, because you're one of our key worship leaders here in the Fellowship team, and uh, I've seen you in the green room before a service, I've seen you in rehearsal, and you're not just practicing chords and timing and making sure everybody knows their part. You're you're really equipping these people in their heart and soul and not only skill, but what they're doing for the Lord. Did you see that somewhere? Did, was it modeled or did you? Um, well, it was modeled for me uh, in a couple of ways. When I was uh, Growing up in the church, that when I was younger, I was a part part of a Pentecostal church, and a guy that was the worship pastor at our at our church there kind of took me under his wing, and he saw in me, you know, some musical skill, but he was able to take time with me to sort of fill in the gaps between a person who might be good at music and a person who could use music as a tool to help shepherd people and help help equip people. And he, he taught me, you know, that, that music is, is a valuable discipleship tool, that if you use it in, in an effective way, it can really 
be a great way to help somebody understand gospel truths uh, uh, or to connect more deeply in their heart and their head uh, with something that the Bible has to say or something that the Lord's revealed. So he taught me that. And then I, when I got to college, I met a guy named, named Robert Shaw who um, was an evangelist. And Robert saw me leading worship at a place one time. I was very young at the time. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, I, I travel the country um, preaching at uh, revivals and uh, student events and things like that. And I, I, I want a music guy uh, hmm. to come with me. And he said, I, I wondered if you'd be interested in, in doing that with me. And at the time it was like, wait a minute, you got gigs? <laughs> I'm, I, I want gigs. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but there was about a three or four year window where I traveled with Robert Shaw in, in his car. And he and I would go from place to place to place, and I would listen to him preach every night. And then when we were driving from one place to the next, he would disciple me. Wow. And uh, he talked to me about the Lord, talked to me about the scriptures. He taught me how to read the Bible. He taught me how to pray. Interesting. And I really got to see somebody that was doing ministry on a public platform, but then also not letting that be his unique, uh, singular identity. He He was... Not only was he giving me an, a, me a platform and a place to you know practice ministry, but he was also making a huge investment in me. And because of that, that that changed the trajectory in my life. It Absolutely, really did. I mean, there, there's no there's no other way of saying it. I mean, it was the best thing ever happened to me. So, at what point then do you embark on? Okay, now I've got my own gigs. I'm leading worship, not with yeah. Robert anymore. Right, and start to say, hey, I learned a lot. How can I transfer that to? Yeah. The year, uh, one of the last years I was with Robert, we were together at New Year's, uh, the week of New Year's, and he he said, you know, what? I wonder what the trajectory uh, will be for you this year. And uh, he said, take a week or two, think about it, and let's get back together and talk about it. And I I started seeing ministry and what I felt called to do as a, kind of a three-legged stool. I was going to lead worship, write songs, and then help other worship leaders with the ability to do that and mm-hmm. coach them, help them as he, as he had done for me in a discipleship mentor. So in 1998, the year I, uh, 19, I got married in 1998, 1999, Heather and I started what we called the summer worship experience. <laughs> and, um, we, um, we auditioned, um, kids from a local college, the garden web, where we were, uh, we made a band out of these kids at audition <laughs> and we spent 10 weeks on the road. Uh, all over the country. How'd you book? How'd you get? I mean, like call everybody, anybody. Uh, yes, I mean, what you got? Birthday party? <laughs> I'm there. Grocery store opening, <laughs> bar mitzvahs. I mean, it was just like a true hustle. You know what I mean? And because I, I actually said, you know, to these to these students, I said, hey, we're going to do this, and you're going to have ten weeks full of things to do, and we're going to Brazil. <laughs> And that was kind of one of those. Making you know, it up as yeah, you go. Absolutely. I thought, man, all right, Lord, well, I've made all these promises. You got to help me keep them. <laughs> but, man, it was one of the coolest times because I felt like we were the frontier of faith. And the mm-hmm. Lord just, like, opened doors. I remember being in Connecticut one time, and, like, we were literally, I mean, the, the, the students didn't know it at the time, but I was like, man, well, what are we going to do next? <laughs> you know? And a guy in a music store came up to me, and uh, he just said, man, I just feel like God led me to give you 500 bucks i don't know why but i'm just <laughs> what are you doing because <laughs> you know, i was just in the store with all these college kids and i'm like well man you know i'm uh you know i'm i'm, 
I'm doing ministry with these kids and just trying to disciple them and teach them. And we'd, we'd huddle up in, you know, um, you know, three or four hotel rooms. And at night we'd sit down and we'd read the Bible together and we'd ask questions about it and we'd talk about it. And I was, I was basically just passing on to them the things that I had learned from Robert. And, um, and then we'd, you know, we'd pray together and do concerts. We, we did, we did ministry together, um, all over the country. And it was, so fruitful and so fun. We did that. Heather and I did that for about four years. So I've been discipling worship leaders really as part of um, a, a piece of what you know I do since since I got married almost twenty years ago. That's pretty exciting. That's awesome. So a few years back, you held an Inspire conference yeah. where you would bring worship leaders in, typically from smaller churches that don't have resources, and, and equip them over a period of days yeah. and teach them all kinds of a theology of worship as well as, you know, some, some tricks behind the yeah. behind the keys. Um, and now you've launched on a, an internship, a residency. Yeah. Uh, the Fellowship Worship Residency is something that I'm doing here through Fellowship Bible Church. And uh, it is a year-long, or it's, it's actually 31 weeks, uh, a program where it's residential. We focus on really three key aspects of what it might mean to be a, a worship leader, um, musicianship, discipleship, and relationship. Or, you know, you could sometimes I say ABC, artistic proficiency, biblical literacy, and character depth, you know. Uh, so uh, those three components really help, I think, to form what might make uh, a, a fruitful um, mm. minister you know what I mean someone who has art, art, artistic proficiency you don't have to be you know the, the most ama- amazing artist in the world but to be good at your craft uh, is representative of somebody who, who could could be a leader you have to know your way around you yeah. have to know yeah. your way around and then and then biblical literacy which I know something that is no that's something that's important to you you have to under, understand there has to be a deepening a deepening why mm-hmm. you know behind what we do and, and I think probably that's one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about when it comes to worship leaders today because a lot of times if you're good at music you might get a pass on the other stuff right you know and then and then depth of character you know I've, I've been around ministry long enough to know that you you know you can't do life alone and secrets keep you sick and uh and ha- having um life in community builds character and and it, just you know I, I tell people all the time i can't fix you i can give you tools mm-hmm. and i think uh developing character tools happens in community and you just learn how to practice that stuff and so that's what we want to do the fellowship worship residency help people with their musicianship help them with their biblical literacy and then do it in a context of community so that they develop and their character emerges to help them to be durable in ministry mm-hmm so if you were to distill the discipleship into a few bullet points, what comes to your mind? Oh, man. Discipleship distilled in a few bullet points to me would be life meets life. Uh, I, I, I always say that the the best opportunities that I've been given to learn came in the context of watching a good person do a hard thing. Mm-hmm. You know, watching a good person do a hard thing. And sometimes it's just... Um, you know, you're in a conversation or, you know, you see them walk through a season. So I, I think for me, the first thing would be just getting a window or inviting somebody in that you, if you want to disciple somebody, inviting them into your life. And even, even, the, you know, just to let them see, this is how I live. This is a way forward. And so that, that's one thing I think for me, another thing is shoring up, like Robert did this for me. I didn't mean to talk about Robert so much, but he, he made a profound impact in my life. Um, he made sure that the things that I believed about the Bible had some had some legs, and that they were durable kinds of mm-hmm. truths. And the things you know, I grew up in 
you know, in a, in a tradition where it was more of the, uh, hey, this is what the Bible says and you should believe it. Robert taught me how to explore the Bible, to dig into things, to read it faithfully. He taught me that, you know, and this might go into the third thing that I would say about discipleship, but he taught me that random has no cumulative value. So if you're going to pursue the Lord, uh, if you're going to learn about the Bible, if you're going to do ministry, if you're going to try and be a faithful person, you, you don't pursue that randomly because that doesn't accumulate on you. What accumulates is a daily faithfulness, a daily walk. Random has no cumulative value. So uh, learning uh, from him and I, I think anybody that you know we've been a part of in our lives, it's, uh, it's together, it's Bible-centered, and it's consistent. You know, Cindy and I do this uh, two-year marriage mentor gig, and um, we've been doing it on and off now for 16, 17 years. And I've often said if we took a sample of those young married couples and put it against the thousands of sermons I've preached over 30-plus years, that life on life in, in a living room with the Bible open, asking questions, teaching, interacting, and then one-on-one with them, the cumulative effect of that has got a lot more legs to use your word than a thousand sermons or in your case a thousand concerts yeah absolutely it has a it has a depth to it that you can you can never get uh just you know the distance is sometimes too far from the stage howard Hendricks said you impress at a distance you impact up close yeah yeah you you might look cool and sound cool preach cool be a great musician but until i get to know you up close and personal you have no impact in my life no impress in my life yeah um, now, you do this with Heather, which is unusual, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heather and I got married in, uh, in 1998, and uh, our first year of marriage was extremely challenging for us because at that time, I was already on the road a pretty good bit, and Heather was working uh, you know, a job. Actually, she worked for alumni relations at our school, and it was very hard. We had, had a lot of like first-year marriage, you know, probably textbook troubles, but for us, you know, it, it, you know, our world was blowing up and, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I'll never forget sitting at the table, uh, sitting across from her, we had laid all our bills out and, uh, we had put on the table that either I was going to stop playing music and come off the road so that we could be together and work on our marriage, or she was going to quit her job and come on the road with me wow. and uh, and we were going to do ministry together that was on that was on the table and we prayed about it and sought the lord and um i'll just i'll say this because this is a big part of my testimony we were if heather quit her job we were nine hundred dollars a month short <laughs> of making our bills <laughs> so basically we just kind of laid that out on the table and I was like, man, your consistent income and all this, you know, right. all the, all of the, you rational. know, the, yeah, the uh-huh. rational thought. I said, what's the Lord telling you to do? And she said, I want to come and do ministry with you. And so, um, we cried ourselves to sleep and she woke up the next morning and went and resigned from her job. Whoa. And I promise you that was it'll be 20, 20 years ago next year. And from that moment to this, I have never seen God provide it, it, like I imagined he would. He, he, he's done it in so many unique ways, like that guy coming up to us in the store, giving us that money. But like now we have four kids and, you know, I, I could, you know, I don't know how, how short we would be, you know, uh, <laughs> if adding all those little mouths to feed to the equation. But God has provided for us. And so we have we decided when we first got married and we were we were fortunate enough to be able to figure it out, 
you know, it doesn't happen like that. But for us, we said we want to put our marriage first because we, we might have lost it. You know, mm-hmm. we might have lost it. And uh, we both agreed that we just want to do this together because there's nothing more valuable um, than um, like ministry or her career, anything that wasn't any more valuable to us than our marriage. That was the thing that we wanted to preserve and make the biggest investment in. And so she quit her job and it's been uh, an unbelievable miracle of God ever since. Well, and as you think about discipleship, when these younger men and women come on board for this program, yeah. they're going to see Heather all over this. Oh, yeah, I mean, her, her, her marks uh, are, are all, are, you know, I mean, you become like the people you spend the most time with. And I spend my, the most of my time <laughs> with Heather, who happens to be an incredible woman. And she's, uh, she, you talk about someone who knows how to read the Bible and pray and uh, who lives a godly life. I, I can't wait for these residents to get to know her, you know? I mean, I'm the I'm the one who talks about it on the internet and you know tries to get people to come, but really the the one of the great values. Surprise when well, they oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a, it's like a bonus round you know uh, will be her yeah. So let's let's switch audience a little bit. Uh, some folks are listening to this broadcast and they're going, you know, I'm not a musician. I'm not gifted. My marriage may not be like Carl and Heather. Uh, I don't know the Bible really well. How would you encourage them to say, hey? Maybe you need to either be discipled or be maybe you're at that place where you need to start discipling other folks. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for the for the person who's looking to be discipled, you know, and wants wants to explore faith, wants to know a little bit more about the Lord. I mean, there's never been a time in human history where resources were more readily available. You know, I think my encouragement would be for some someone in that position to really take a hold of the Bible if you can then just start reading the gospel story consider the claims of Christ what's the story about what's here you know and, and find a local church that teaches the Bible someone that um, you know d- music styles things like that don't matter to me nearly as much as someone who just tries to faithfully pro- proclaim the Bible you know like we do here hey try to take it verse by verse exposit this is probably what this means, and this is probably, this is the message. You know, sometimes we get distracted with, um, you know, fads and trends and things like that, and everybody's everybody succumbs to that in right, we're pulled. S- some degree. But uh, for me, the times that I'm most centered and the things that I feel like the Lord has revealed most to me was really through, through time and the Word. Just, you know, again, not randomly, but just consistently uh, through time in the Word and then, and then prayer. You know, I learned how to pray when I was a little kid. And um, I still pray like a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I just ask the Lord to help me. I ask Him to reveal Himself to me. I ask Him to help me walk by faith. Uh, I don't. I try not to make it sound like a, you know, like I'm trying to impress somebody else because I'm not talking to somebody mm-hmm. else. And so that's where I'd tell somebody to start. And if you're a person who feels like you are being led to start discipling somebody, I'd say just take somebody by the hand and let them walk alongside of you. That's what people have done for me. I, I've been really blessed by just someone at, at different stages, ages and stages of my life. I've had a few people just come and take me by the hand and just, and usually it's seasonal. They just let me walk beside yeah. them. They let me walk beside them for six months or a year. And, you know, we trade a little bit of faith, you know, they teach me something that I Absolutely. never knew. And yeah. I'm, I, you know, and I might be able to offer them something that they do, but it really yeah, it may sound like an oversimplification or it's organic, but it really kind of doubles back to what we were talking about earlier, that 
life on life relationship bible centered and random has no cumulative value you know i mean i sit down to breakfast i told you this the other day i'll sit down to breakfast with you over a year ago you told me about two or three things and i remember them they were like little <laughs> nails you know that i hung my hat on i don't remember you know? girl i know you don't but that's you know that's what's funny <laughs> exactly, though it's like yeah. that's like it's almost like parenting you know the things that your kids remember are the things that you can't ever remember saying that. yeah I never told you that. <laughs> but that that would be my encouragement just and you know it takes um everything we do in, in the Christian life takes faith, you know, and we, we walk, we walk by faith, not by sight. So if you can see it, it doesn't take faith, but, but if you look yeah. at it and it's like, man, I don't know if this is going to work out, you know, uh, I don't know if this person, you know, even cares about what I have to say. You know? I think a lot of it in, in, you know, cause I'm 60 now and that just seems ominous, but, but <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with it. Where's that gap in and do I have something to offer? Am I an old guy or an old woman? And do I really have anything to offer? And one thing that I've learned, it's not the only you know way, but it's just asking lots of questions. And uh, because I hate the phrase we all do, when I was your age, you yeah. know, when I was your age, I did this and did yeah. that. And you young people and this millennial. Millennials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we're, we can all get into that, that lane. But to be able to say this person grew up in a context just like I did. It's not right or wrong. It's just where we are. But we have faith in common. We have the same struggles in common. And but the art of asking good questions, and 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 I'm not the best listener, but the art of listening to what mm. they're really, you know, how they respond, and then you might have that opportunity to kind of go somewhere. And and again, I've watched you with the band before a service, and I've gone, man, I wish I had somebody like that talking to me every Sunday before mm. I preach, because <laughs> it wasn't just about cool. key changes and what we're going to yeah. do. And we got to watch the clock and, you know, yeah. this, that, and the other. It was like, man, we're here to lead people in worship. We're here to teach them. We're here to smile, not, not a yeah. fake smile, but we're here to worship Christ. And you do that so well. And just Thank watching you. how you and pockets disciple those people. So yeah. thanks for what you're doing. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I would not do anything else. Carl Carty. Thanks for your time, my friend. Thank you for having me. Michael Easley in Context is fully funded from donations by our listeners. If you're a regular listener, would you consider giving a one-time or perhaps monthly donation on our website? You can find us on michaelincontext.com. In Context is engineered by Chad Cates, produced by Hannah Seymour, and music composed by Tycho, Chad Cates, and Blair Masters. Additional music in this episode composed by Carl Cartier.